The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Today we're going to read out of John, um, John 12, uh, 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into him, into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you, for the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for your scripture, for your word that we're able to uh, just dive into it, learn about you, uh, and have Randall here with us today teaching us, helping us learn different things we can take from Scripture. Um, I thank you for the blessing of him and his family and everything that they've uh, done uh, through faithfulness and serving you. I pray that you be with us. We sit here listening, um, that we would take something new from the Scripture, that we would take it uh, throughout the week, and we would be able to uh, just reflect on what we've learned today and uh, that our our, uh, ears would be open um, and just receiving what we have uh, going on today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it, buddy. All right. Well, if you are new this morning, welcome to Grace City. It's great to see you. And uh, we are finishing up a series right now called Unbroken. And what we talked about last week was uh, the, the unbroken promises that God gives us through Jesus, right? And so we were talking about promises and how we break promises, but Jesus always keeps his promises. And uh, one of the, the ways that uh, we want to equip you is with just really practical things to help you to know that Jesus is with you. And so um, I ordered these cards, and they're supposed to be in last Friday, but they got in Monday, and I was like, oh, man, bummer, you know? Like, I can't give people, because it was supposed to be like on Sunday, and we were talking about promise on Sunday, and this is the promise card. So I didn't have the promise card, but I do have it today. And so you can grab one outside. Um, and, and here's what this is. It just says, because Jesus said he would. And, um, and, and the, the, the thing we talked about was how Jesus said he, he's going to come through on this. And there's this cool passage in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 20. Uh, or actually, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, I, I don't want to point you in the right. 2 Corinthians 1, 20. And it says that um, every promise, there is a yes in Jesus. With every promise of God, there's a yes in Jesus. And so um, because of that, because there's a yes in Jesus, you can write down the promise of God, whatever it is you're struggling with, right? Like, so it's like, man, I'm, I'm struggling to know that God's going to provide for me. Write down something. Write a scripture down there. Remember it. Uh, I'm just really struggling right now with knowing that God has a plan for me. Okay, write something down on here. Remember it. And so put it in a place where you're going to remember that. Because here's the deal. Our mission as Grace City is to equip you with the gospel for everyday life. 
Right, it's not just on a Sunday morning coming in here, gathering a lot of information, but it's for everyday life. Going out into the real world and living as a believer in Jesus. Okay, and so that's what this card is about. That's what we want to do as a church. And, um, you know, you might think, well, what, what is Grace City all about? There's a lot of, like, unstructuredness to Grace City. Like, there's structure, like on a Sunday morning, all that stuff. But there's a lot of unstructuredness in the sense that we don't want to overcommit your time to a bunch of church stuff. Okay? We don't want to overcommit your time to doing just, okay, here's what the church tells me I need to do. Here's why. Because we believe that as believers in Christ, God's given you the Holy Spirit. And that you can live in tune with what God wants you to do. And that it's more powerful for you to live on mission as a believer in Jesus out in the real world, listening to his voice, rather than just doing a bunch of church stuff where it's like the church tells me all the things I need to do, right? This is about growing up in our faith and growing stronger in Jesus and listening to him. And so that's, that's what Grace City is all about. So if you're new this morning, that we're not going to overstructure your time with a bunch of church stuff. Because at the end of the day, we want you to listen to Jesus out in the real world and to do great things for him out there. Amen? Amen. That's what we're about, okay? And so going out, living on mission, listening to his voice, doing some cool things. And, uh, you know, one of those things, like, you know, unexpected was, um, you know, you think about, like, how, how you share your faith, right? Like, people are like, here's the script. You're like, you got to follow the script. That, 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 to me, I'm just like, no, we don't do that. And so last night, me and my wife were at this concert. And I'm just telling you this because this is, this is, this is life on mission, we're at this concert, M83. I like M83. My wife likes M83. We go to this concert, right? So we go in and, and, and we're hanging out and there's a girl next to us and she's so sweet. She's by herself. She came to the concert by herself alone. We strike up a conversation, find out that she goes to UCSD, right? And have this great conversation with her, build a friendship. And through the process, just get to tell her, this is what our faith is. Right, so again, unstructured, it's not like, who are we going to share our faith with today? Like this tracking device, right? Like, no, just listen to God, just be real, be a real person, don't be weird, and just, you know, talk to people. And so that, I just have to say that from up front, that's who we are. All right, um, so if you're just joining us for this series, this series is about Jesus' unbroken pursuit of broken people. Uh, we need to know this. Jesus is not afraid to run toward the messy, the misfits, the outcasts, the hurting sinners. And um, that makes us uncomfortable. Let's be honest. Does that make you uncomfortable to be around people that aren't like you? Even last night, like we're at this concert, right? And it's like everybody is like partying, is great and, and everything. But there are a lot of people that weren't like me that were there. And I thought, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. It, like, it was kind of scary. It makes you uncomfortable a little bit, right? Like, oh man, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be doing that. But I want you to know that as much as like there's that thing of uncomfortability inside of us, Jesus is like running towards it running towards the hurting, running towards the broken, running towards people who are just kind of like out there, right? And he's like, I'm going after those people. And he did it. And he did it. And so we're going to read about it in John uh, 12, 1 through 8 today. And, and this is the beautiful thing that, that we find out about Jesus. There's an unbroken commitment. 
an unbroken commitment in Jesus. See, we live in this society right now that dreads commitment. It's the big C word, commitment. I got to commit. That's why we have all this thing like, you know, the DTR, like define the relationship type of thing. Like, oh, where am I at on this? I don't know. There's not much of a commitment here. Got to define the relationship. It's scary. Elise McKinney wrote an article called um, Millennials, Are We a Generation with Commitment Phobia? And uh, the way that she defined millennials was anybody between 18 to 34. But really, I think as a generation, it's easy to say, yes, we are people with commitment phobia. And uh, here's what she says. She says, we rent our dresses, share our cars, and download our movies illegally so we can view it just the one time. Even our music through applications like Spotify is accessible without the commitment of actually owning our favorite artist's music. We love it, this lack of commitment. One meme I recently saw said, the only thing I'm committed to are my commitment issues. It's the only thing I'm committed to, commitment issues. And this, is this not the voice of a generation? This is not a voice of a, a generation. You know, sociologist uh, Peter Berger has said this for decades, that modern society was trending in this, this direction where we valued dignity. And here's what dignity is. Dignity is this identity as an individual. Like you have this value, an intrinsic value as an individual, which is good. Dignity. We trend in this direction, but we've lost the idea of honor. And now, the thing about honor is, it's your identity linked to your role in life and society. So what that is, is it's, it's this belief that, um, you know, I, I'm going to commit to something, and I'm going to do the right thing, and I'm going to do the greater good for others, even though it might hurt. I'm going to stick through it. I'm going to do this. See, we are so afraid of this type of commitment. And again, what Peter Berger says is we've lost this idea of honor. It's, it's playing this role in life. That's why we say, ah, I don't, I don't, I, I want to date you. I don't know if I want to marry you. Because that's really like, that's a huge commitment. And I don't want to take that role. I don't want to take that responsibility. It's like a parent who says, okay, like, I want to have kids, but I don't want to take care of my kids. Right? Like, I don't, I don't want to get up in the middle of the night when they're crying and when it's difficult and when it's hard and when they're screaming at me and they say, hey, I don't like you. We don't want that. But that is a commitment. It's talking about his honor. And what this does is it, it puts modern thinking, Western mindset, and the practice of, practices of Jesus on a head-on collision. Because Jesus seeks commitment from his followers. Commitment. And isn't there something beautiful about commitment? Um, my wife said, you need to read this article. It's an article written uh, recently by Patagonia. And this article uh, was about the products that they make. And, and Patagonia makes just different outdoor gear and all types of things, really good, high-quality stuff. 
And uh, the article is called The Most Beautiful Product We Make. And it was an article about their worn wear program. Okay, so they have this program where it's like they take all the stuff that's like really, really worn down and they bring it in and they'll like repair it, make it better um, because they like seeing people wear their products. And um, this is when products like are actually used for what they were intended for, right? And here's the story from this article. It's uh, this guy, Mikey Schaefer. He's a longtime ambassador for Patagonia and he tells about a time when he went down to Argentina. And when he's down there, he uh, says he usually takes some coats down there with him and different things, and he passes them out to people who are going to use them because he's like, okay, there's some climbers down here. They're going to use this stuff. So I'm going to give it to him. And he usually gives them a little bit of like the lightly worn stuff. And then he met this guy named Martin. And here's what he says about Martin. He says, Martin shows up and knocks on my door in this beat-up jacket. The thing was trashed. You don't really see that in the States. People just don't wear stuff to that stage anymore. But here's this nice kid asking, I heard maybe you have jackets to sell. And I'm just staring at him and his jacket in shock. He told me he climbed Fitzroy in it. There were holes in the elbows. The thing was just wrecked. So I say, hey man, how about this? Let's just trade. So this dude is just stoked. He says, when I got back to the States, I showed it to one of our repair gurus, Kathy Averett. And she said, whoa, I've never seen anything like this. She clued in that this was a super special piece. And she said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fix this thing. You see, usually what we do is we get like the cheap stuff, right? Like we just say, oh, I'm just going to get that cheap stuff. And then it just gets thrown out and thrown out and thrown out and thrown out. But there is a beauty in a commitment to something that's valuable. And what we find in the life of Jesus is the same type of unwavering commitment. Right? Because he, he looks at your life, he looks at my life as value, valuable, and he says, I'm not just going to toss it out. It's not something cheap that I'm just going to throw out there. But it's, it's something that, it looks worn down. It's broken. But just like this lady, he says, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. And I'm committed to fixing it no matter what. See, this is a passionate commitment that Jesus makes. And we find that God is completely committed to his people, even when others aren't. Even when others give up on us. That's why David in the Hebrew scripture says it like this. He says in Psalm 27.10, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. You think about the closest relationships that you can have in this world. He says, even if they forsake me, the Lord will take me in. How could he say something like that? Because he knows that God is that committed to his people. See, God is more committed to us and helping fix the worn out places and broken places in our lives than we are. He is filled with more honor and dignity than any of us. And we will see in today's text that when we see his commitment to us, how he loves us, 
It'll draw out new levels of commitment in us to him. And so our text today is John 12, 1 through 8. And uh, just to give some background here, you know, the, the verse, the very first verse really gives us the context of what's happening. Um, and so in verse 1, it says, uh, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus has, had raised from the dead. And so what we talked about uh, the past couple of weeks is how Jesus had raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. And how Jesus, it, it all pointed to something that was greater, right? Because that thing that Jesus did with, with Lazarus, it, was, it wasn't going to last forever. He was, he was eventually going to die again. But the thing that Jesus was really focused on was his resurrection. That there was a life beyond this life that he was going after and saying, this is important. And so Jesus is setting the stage here and and. and John is giving us this perspective as he's starting out this next verse that we need to read through to really understand this. And so why is it that John is talking about the Passover? This is why. He is giving us a clue about what this is about. He's giving us a gospel lens to look through. And what he's saying is this. We must read this next interaction, this next section of verses through the work of Jesus. Because what we find is that in verse, uh, verse 7, Jesus is going to say, he's like, I'm going to die. Jesus is going to die. And everything flows through that. So we're talking about commitment here. We're talking about how Jesus is like so committed that he would die for us. You've got to read that verse, these next verses in that perspective in that light because we can't read the Bible apart from the work of Jesus. What happens a lot of times is, is, is here's what happens if we read the Bible apart from the work of Jesus. Well, I just got to go be like Mary. I just got to be really, really, really committed. And we put it all on our shoulders. We say, I got to do this. But what we miss is that up to this point, Jesus had done everything to show himself to Mary, that he was fully committed and he was going to die for her and this is going to, this is going to happen. And so it's, it's, it's like, no, Jesus did all this and this is our response to him. Not I have to, but I get to, right? Like I get to, to, to listen to him, to follow him, to, to respond to him in this way and, and I get to commit to him. It's a beautiful response. D.A. Carson, a commentator on the book of John, says this, Mention of the Passover in this context reminds the reader that the one who raised Lazarus from the dead is about to go to his own death as a sacrificial lamb, a Passover lamb, the deliverer of his people. See, what this is, if we, if we miss this and we don't read this through the lens of Jesus' commitment to us, we're going to miss the whole point. Because then we're going to be like, well, I just got to be really committed to Jesus. No, he's really committed to you more than you would ever be to him. He would die for us. See, everything is a response to the work of Jesus. That's why it says in 1 John 4, 9, we love because he first loved us. We commit because he first committed to us. Right? You have to see that Jesus is committed to you before you ever became committed to him. And so the question is, okay, well, if that's true, 
If that's the good news, if that's the gospel this morning, then what does commitment look like based off of Jesus' commitment to me and to you, to us? Well, it's threefold. And so I'm going to give you all three points up front. And we're going to work through this text together. And so here's the first one. It's risky. Second point is it's revealed. And the third is it's radical. It's risky. It's revealed. It's radical. And uh, so the first point this morning is it's, it's risky. Uh, so look at verse 3. Here's what it says. It says, Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And so what we find in verse 3 is there's a huge risk that Mary's taking here. In this moment, she has made herself vulnerable before Jesus. And, and there are many ways that she's taken this type of risk. Well, the first one is that she has taken a huge financial risk. What we find is that later, um, Judas says this could have been sold for 300 denarii. And, and, and what that looks like, and, and we don't really get this in our culture, like when we talk about like it's really expensive. Many people believe this is like a year's wage that she is putting on the table right there. And so what we're talking about here, I, I don't, again, I don't know where you're at financially and, and the numbers that you're bringing in each year, but you think about the, that amount and saying, I'm going to lay it all out there like that in this one moment. It's a lot of money. And so she's willing to risk that. She's taking a, a, a social risk, societal risk. Um, look, look at what, what she does. She said, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment and she, she brought it and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. So what Mary does is she goes before Jesus. She goes before his feet. This room is filled with men. And she goes before him. She says, this is so important that I'm going to take this risk. And she lets down her hair. She wipes his feet with her hair. So the thing that like was the adornment of a woman, right? That was the, the thing that she, she like had to cover as she goes out in public just to, to, to say that I'm being modest. She says, I will lay that down at the feet of Jesus. And I will wipe this beautiful part of me on what they would have said was the dirtiest part, his feet. The thing that he walked out, the dust and all the things that were collected on his feet. She said, I'm going to wipe my hair on his feet just to try it because she didn't care what people thought. She, she, didn't get, she was completely putting herself out there, completely vulnerable in this moment, saying, I will put myself at risk for him. And she has taken this risk of love. Because 
What helped her to build this type of courage that she would come to Jesus? Because if she went to any other guy, they wouldn't have had that type of response. They would have shamed her. They would have pushed her to the side. How dare you? How could, she, how could she come to Jesus and take this type of risk? Because she knew that he was committed to her. And she said, I'll take a risk. I'll put myself out there for you. Because I love you. Barnabas Linders, who's a commentator, says, mention of the fact that the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume suggests not only extravagant love, but suggests that the fragrance of the act will extend far beyond the event itself. We're still reading about this today. Somebody who put themselves out there for Jesus. That's why it says Mark 14, 9, in this, this story, Jesus says this. He says, and truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Isn't that beautiful? This commitment, this risky commitment, Jesus says, wherever the gospel, the truth is proclaimed, you'll hear about her. You'll hear about what she did. She's going to stand out. Hold on, there's all these like religious guys. There's all the disciples inside the room at this minute. No, no, not them, her. I'm committed to her and what she did. And people will remember what she did. See, but commitment to Jesus is risky. Because what we see next is uh, through this commitment, things are revealed. It's revealed. So we see this in verses 4 through 6. Here's what it says. Um, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And John gives us a little insight here. He says, he said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. As she places herself out there, her heart is revealed. But so are the hearts of those that are around her. And what we find in her is a genuine love. A genuine love for Jesus. But what happens is, what is like, you know, you, you put yourself out there, you, you love God, and then all of the commentary starts happening and all the critics start coming, right? And they want to tell you how you should love God. <laughs> they want to put it in your mind and say, well, this is what it really looks like to follow God, but they were completely off base. And so what, what they did is that, you know, the, it's not only Jews, but we find out in other stories and tellings of this, that the disciples were right there with them. The disciples were thinking it, they just didn't say it. And so all of the religious ideas become superficial plausibilities, Right? Well, you could have done this, or you could have done that. 
And isn't that what Christianity sadly turns into a lot of the times? We want to critique all the things that are happening that are good because it didn't really happen the way that we thought it should. And so instead of going and doing good, instead of loving someone, instead of showing your love for Christ through actions towards loving other people, we do is we just say, well, why didn't you do it that way? You could have done it that way. Critiques, critics. And what that is, is a heart of a Pharisee. Critical, judgmental. Not willing to put themselves out there, but critiquing those who do. See, the heart is revealed. And what Jesus looks for is he looks for genuine love. See, you, you might just come into this Christianity thing and, and a lot of the times you're like, man, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know where to start. And what Jesus is looking for is not just to give you this rule book and say, you got to follow this. He's looking just for genuine expressions of love. Just to go out there and just be like, hey, just, just show your love for me. I'm not going to give you like all the, the, the distinctives, right? But I give you the Holy Spirit. And so just follow me, trust me, just go out there and do something, right? Just love me. And that's what, that's what we're finding is, is, is that what she's, she's doing here. She's just loving him. Proverbs 16.2 says this, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. That's so true. Like in our own eyes, we're like, man, I'm just so religious right now. I'm just so on point. Love Jesus. Just doing all this good stuff. And the Lord the whole time is just like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm looking more at your motives. I'm looking more at who you are in here than maybe what is being expressed out there. Because if, if this is right, then this will be right. And so that's, that's what he's talking about here. It's like Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. We see even in Corinthians, it says, you know, there are things that you can build with, different things like, you know, straw and all these other materials that are just going to burn up. But he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refine it to the things that are real. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out, like, what's the real stuff? See, Jesus sees the truth. He sees our heart. <laughs> commitment or lack of commitment, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. And the, the, the last point is, it's radical. It's radical. Uh, verses 7 through 8, let's look at that. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Jesus' response is radical, eyebrow-raising, unorthodox, unconventional. What he does here is he defends the weak. He defends the weak. And he was completely committed to Mary when others would have thrown her under the bus. She put herself in a vulnerable spot. 
And it was radical because many scholars believe that Jesus' rebuke in this moment prompted Judas to approach the religious authorities to betray him. Like this was the trigger point for Judas to betray Jesus. Because what he does in this moment is he embarrasses Judas. And women who were not valued in that society, he elevated her. He elevated her in this radical way that oh, in that society, you would have, you said, well, of course you would have lifted up Judas and what he said instead of what she's doing. But Jesus says, no. I'm lifting her up. I'm valuing her over you, Judas, and what you're saying because it's wrong. Isn't that beautiful? The, the radical nature of who Jesus is, that he doesn't go by the, the standards of society, but says, you know what, this is, this is my creation. This is how I intended it to be. And what she's done is beautiful. And it was at radical cost to himself that Jesus put his life on the line for her. Guys, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. At radical cost to himself. As she would have been shamed, he says, I'll take it on myself. I'll take it on me. The outcast. In that moment, he becomes the outcast. And he does the same thing for you and me. So with that type of commitment that Jesus offers to the lowly, to the weak, to the outcast, to the misfits, all that, how do we respond? I'm going to give you three takeaways. The first one is this. It's seeing Jesus' commitment to you. Like, you've got to see it. You've got to see it. Like, even when people aren't committed to you, like, he is. See, as Mary put herself out there and was vulnerable, do you, do you believe that Jesus is committed to you in this way? I mean, even, even in your brokenness, right? Like your broken moments. Do you believe that he's still committed to you? Because what happens many of the times is what we do is we, we start to base Jesus' commitment to us and love for us on our performance for him. Say, so, well, well, if I'm having a good week, then of course he's going to have grace with me. Of course he's going to love me. Of course he's going to care for me. Like, I'm having a good week. But what about when you don't have a good week, right? What about when things aren't going the way that, that you planned, right? Like, what happens in those moments? Is Jesus just as committed to you as when you have your good weeks? I would say that he is. He is. Again, he's not going to toss you out because you had a bad week. He is committed to you. Um, earlier this week, I... I don't know what it was, but I was just having this issue with like anger. I'm like driving on the road and people are cutting me off and I'm just angry. You know, like maybe outwardly I'm like, hey, 
But inwardly, I'm mad. I'm upset. Like, you know, cursing my heart. Like that type of thing going on. You're like, what? The pastor does it. Yes. I was getting upset. And like, it was all these indications to me that like something wasn't right. Right. And so anyway, put out trash on Mondays and um, the trash guy goes by and like, I'm just putting, I'm like running out there, right? Like it's like eight in the morning and I'm like running out there like, oh no, we didn't put it out last night. I'm going to go put it out there. So I just put the trash can out there. Dude drives right by. He like turns around in front of and he goes down the other way. I'm like, what about my trash, dude? Hold on. Like you just passed me, man. And so like in my heart, I'm like fuming. I'm mad, you know? What is this? What am I supposed to do? Like, I got a family of five with, you know, we, we, we got a lot of trash. We don't have anywhere to put this. What's going to happen this week? It's going to be piling on, piling and piling. This guy passed us. So I'm going inside and I'm like fuming, you know, I'm in the bedroom and I'm, I'm like, this guy. So I see him. He come, he's coming back. He's like coming, going back the other way, right? Like coming back and he like makes this turn. And I'm like, this guy, he better get the trash, you know, like. And literally, like, literally the dude is like, he drives, he stops. He goes in reverse. He makes eye contact with me in the window. I'm like, oh no, he sees me. And, you know, he's backing up and he gets the trash and he just like, and I'm like, oh, and I back off and I just fall on my face and I'm like, Lord, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Like, how can you come to Jesus in those broken moments where you're just like, what is wrong with me? Why did I get so worked up about that? Why did I get so upset about that? It's because you know that he's still committed to you even when that happens. And dude, I'm telling you, right there in that moment, I fell on my face just praying before God like, Lord, you know my heart. You know I'm messed up. You know I'm a sinner. You know I need your grace, Lord. I need your help. Change me. Change me. And you know what? He's happy to answer those prayers. He's delighted to answer those prayers. And that, that's like, it's like, you feel like sometimes it's the opposite. Like, oh, if I have those moments, he's going to kick me out. He's not going to love me. No. He is committed to you in a way that is so radical that you would think there's no way that's possible. But what he does in that moment is you lower yourself before him as he lifts you up. I don't deserve to be lifted up. Exactly. That's the whole point. It's grace. It's grace. The second takeaway is it's surrendering what's appropriate. It's surrendering what's appropriate. Uh, as Timothy Keller was commentating on this verse, I thought this was really good. He says, in a sense, she, Mary, is saying, Lord, I sense what you're giving to me. Here's something I can give to you. And it falls short. 
He says, if Mary was around later on in history, maybe she would have written a hymn that goes like this. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. As Judas looked at the gift that Mary was laying before the feet of Jesus, he thought it was inappropriate. He didn't think that was appropriate for Jesus to have that type of gift. But what Mary thought was appropriate was completely appropriate to Jesus. She's like, what's the most expensive thing I have? Let me take it to him. Let me lay it at his feet. This is all I got, Jesus. Please receive this. And he didn't rebuke her. He received it. Right, like what, what, here's what's going to happen. Like there are things in the world that are going to look inappropriate to people that you're going to sacrifice for Jesus. They're going to say, why are you going to do that? That's crazy. Why would you move your family there? Why would you do this thing? right? Doesn't look appropriate. But what looks inappropriate to man is completely appropriate to God. And God will answer for for that. He'll say, you know what? I'm actually going to lift them up. I'm going to do it my way in my time. I'm going to lift them up. But what, what looks inappropriate to you is actually completely appropriate to me. See, many of the times the reason we don't sacrifice like this and we don't lay things at the feet of Jesus like this is because we're afraid of what people think. We're completely afraid of what people are going to think about us. right? And when Jesus is, is sitting there and seeing Mary do this, Mary did not care what people thought. She was not bound in fear. And so my question today is this, what are you holding on to that is completely appropriate to give to Jesus? Completely appropriate. Some of us are holding on to our money saying, no, I'm not going to give it to him. It's just, it's not appropriate. I just don't know how it's going to work out. So I'm not going to give it to him. I'm going to hold on to this. Here's the deal. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those guys who's going to be like, I'm going to preach a money series every year. Da, 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 da. Like, no. What I will call you to is a commitment, though, to give what's appropriate to him. And so if the Holy Spirit's saying, you need to do something, you need to do it. Right? Like if there's a guy on the street corner and you the Holy Spirit's saying, you need to give this guy something, food, whatever, like do it. Be responsive to him and know that there's an appropriateness to just listening to his voice. Because here's the thing. He doesn't want money to be our God. It's actually for our good. Some of us are holding on to our future saying, well, there's no way that I'm going to do this or that or I'm not going to go there holding on to our future saying, well, I don't think that's appropriate for me to give to you, Jesus. And he's saying, if you just lay it down at my feet, I I promise you it's going to be a lot better than what you could use it for. Maybe it's your gifts and your talents. Well, God, I'm just going to use this for myself, for my my own use, for my fame, but I'm not going to lay it down at your feet, Jesus, whether that be just in everyday life, in your work world, whatever. Because that's really where it happens, right? Like out in the world. I'm just going to hold on to my gifts and not use it for you, Lord. 
He's saying, lay it at my feet. Job, family, some of us dating life. Oh, Lord, I don't know if I could trust you with that. You know? Lay it at his feet. It's appropriate. What's appropriate to what Jesus is calling you to lay at his feet? The last point is this. It's standing with those on the fringes. It's standing with those on the fringes. What I mean by that is standing with those on the fringes of society. Mary would have been on the fringes in that room. All of these guys there, and she does something like this. She would have been on the fringes. Here's what happens. As you experience Jesus standing with you in your brokenness, you will begin to stand with others in their brokenness. You'll be, you'll be standing tall with them. The refugee, the marginalized, the outcast, the misfits, the widowed, the orphan, the outsiders, the freaks, the dreamers, the poor. You're like, why are you standing with them? It's because Jesus stood with me. And what you find is that you don't have too much difference than those people. But Jesus stood with you. He stood with me. I love this quote from Dave Gibbons. He says, from the fringes come the helpless. Having suffered, they know the power of pain. They don't buy the lies in our culture's red lipstick prophets selling promises of unending beauty, comfort, and personal fulfillment. Living on the fringe, all false hope quickly evaporates. When people from the fringe discover the courage to step out in faith, they often experience a supernatural transformation in their plan or in their pain into a power to relieve the suffering of others. As you stand and you know, man, I'm on the fringes. Jesus has found me. What you find is that you're going to stand and you're going to be the one that might be the healing balm to somebody's life. As you stand there with them. So here's how the Patagonia story ends. Mikey Schaefer says this. He says, sometime that fall, I got the jacket back. It was amazing. Kathy had gone to town on it. Now it's got custom embroidery on the back and it says, made with love on the inside. So I threw it in a bag, didn't email Martin or anything. I run into him and say, dude, you got to come over. I brought you something. I bust out this jacket and he's speechless. He wore the repair jacket all around town, and he was so proud. It's kind of too small for him. The cuffs come up above the wrists and stuff, but it's classic. Every time I saw him that trip, he had that jacket on showing people so psyched. Commitment to restore. Commitment to the end. Do you understand that that's the gospel? That's the good news of what Jesus has done? That as Jesus was sitting there, you think about it, like what was Jesus thinking about as he was sitting there? And Mary doing this beautiful act of 
commitment, saying, I love you to him. She's, what he's thinking about is his death. He's thinking about his death. Why is he thinking about his death? Because as he's looking at her and he's looking at all the things around him, he's saying, this is the only way that things are going to be made better. This is the only way that things are going to be changed. This is the only way that they'll be able to have this jacket to wear around that says, made with love. It's the only way. And so I've got to go to the cross and die for their sins. And in doing that, they'll be completely remade and they'll have a new life. Commitment. Do you see it? Do you see what he has done for you? Do you see that as it says in Luke 9, 51, it says when the day drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He set his face. He committed. He says, I'm going. Even at the expense of myself, the cost of my life, I'll do it so that they can know that I'll trade my life for their life. My life for their life. It's an unbroken commitment only found in Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for committing to the worn down, the broken, the messed up, the hurting. And um, Lord, no matter how much we think we've got it together on the outside, it's all of us. And so, Lord, I just pray this morning that we receive Jesus. We receive the love he offers. We receive the grace. We receive it. And we know that that's really our only hope. It's in Christ. So we come to him this morning and, and we just pray, Lord, please help us to, to hear your voice in this time and to be responsive to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.